0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 29th, 2009. Next article is Climate Gate Spells the End to the False Science of Climate Change. This is from Infowars, but a lot of people are reporting on this, okay? This is from just November 27th. This is a more of a compilation email regarding this subject. I didn't want to get into a huge teaching on this, but on Thursday... The 19th, November 2009, news began to circulate that hacked documents and communications from the University of East Angela's Hadley Climate Research Unit have been published to the internet. The information revealed how top scientists conspired to falsify data in the face of the declining global temperatures in order to prop up the premise that man-made factors are driving the climate change. The documents and emails illustrated how prominent climatologists affiliated with the United Nations International Panel on Climate Change embarked on a venomous and coordinated campaign to ostracize climate s- climate skeptics and use their influence. Influence to keep dissenting reports from appearing in peer reviewed journals, as well as using cronyism to avoid compliance with the Freedom of Information Act requests. They've been nailed, okay? These guys hacked into their emails and they found out that this whole thing about global warming is a total farce. It's totally been made up. And they also found out how they were um, totally trying to demonize anyone that would go against them in any way, shape, or form. Even though there's 30,000 scientists that um, were threatening to sue Al Gore regarding this. And again, there is a whole compendium of articles and videos on what was quickly dubbed as Climate Gate. And I give you the link here. It's a, I mean, you want to know more about it, you can load your boat on it. A- Anthony, uh, this is from Anthony... Gucciardi uh, from November 27th InfoWars, with the release of over 60 megabytes worth of incriminating emails and the world getting a glimpse into the world of the fanatical pseudoscience, there is little that can be done by the professors who are now on intellectual trial. Whether the emails were leaked or hacked, the people responsible for getting the information have helped uncover the truth about climate change like no other news story ever before. While there have been piles of evidence to expose the global warming fraud in the past, a written exchange, in their very own words, is the ultimate proof. They have been caught so red-handed now, it's just not even funny. Um, Lord Moncton um, actually appeared on the... Uh, we're going we're gonna, to um, listen to a little bit of that interview. He was the one that originally came out with the information on the uh, Copenhagen climate treaty that's coming up, exposing that. Now, he's also come out to voice his opinion on this as well. With Lord Christopher Monckton making an appearance on Alex Jones' show on Friday to discuss the ClimateGate story, it is evident that even top political figures are speaking out against the phony climate change. The very premise that carbon dioxide is bad for the environment goes against the basic fundamental fundamentals of science. While it is absurd to think the public would fall for something so outlandish, I don't see why they think it's absurd, They do all the time, but um, it's absurd to say that they would um, that one of the building blocks of life, carbon dioxide, is a poison. You must remember that many agreed, many of these same scientists agreed to ban water, under its scientific name dihydromonoxide, (laughs) H two O, essentially. One would believe that the day the groundbreaking email surface would be the last day for the global warming propagandists. Yet the professors still attempt to lie their way out of the issue. I mean, this is really, if this had to happen at any time, I'm really glad it happened right before this Copenhagen Treaty. I don't know if it's going to make a bit of difference. Um, Again, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. It's up to him what he's going to let implement, but I'm glad it happened before this. Can't think of a better time, really. Let's see here. Some so-called environmentalists even went into a state of hysteria upon finding out about the leaked emails. The professors can dance around television all day, but the truth cannot be silenced by thousands of lies. When looking at the history of the climate change scandal, you will find that the alarmist terminology shifts repeatedly. First, they warned against global cooling, warning of a new ice age. Shortly after that, Morning of a new ice age, global warming was touted as the new killer. The mainstream media picked up the global warming as the story of the generation, claiming it was an ine- inevitable killer of humanity. I mean, we just had a cold spell here where I live, in southwest Florida, which is actually in the subtropics. And I can't remember the last time we were around 44 degrees um, um, this early in the year. And inland, they were actually 37 I can't remember this early in the year we've had those kind of cool temperatures. So, anyway. um, As more and more evidence surfaces, they are now forced to admit that we are entering a cooling trend. As more and more saw this repetitious cycle for what it is, phony scientists touting global warming were forced to change their wording. Climate change emerged as the new word used in order to accommodate any environmental change. These ludicrous claims made by pushers of the global warming scam have been thoroughly debunked. And those who charge, those in charge of creating false numbers, have been exposed. It's time for, to inform everyone you know about these recent findings. Don't let false science dictate the actions that you make in your life. Okay, we're going to listen to this interview, brief interview, and uh, explore this a little bit further.
1: Big Brother, mainstream media government cover-ups. You want answers? Well, so does he. He's Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. And now, live from Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. Scienceandpublicpolicy.org is his website. It is excellent, chock full of key, real hard data. Lord Christopher Monckton, third Viscount. Of Brenchley, of Mocton and Brenchley. And he was a UK Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher's, uh, one of the chief policy advisors, so many other important positions. He has since been a director of his own specialist consultancy company, giving technical advice to corporations and governments. And, uh, he is also an award winning researcher. But to, rather than go over his lengthy, uh, uh, pedigree and, and amazing research. Let's go directly to Lord Mompton joining us from the United Kingdom. Sir, it is wonderful to have you with us. It's great to be with you. Amazing. We've got you for a full hour. Our listeners are just absolutely uh, in ecstasy right now because you and your clear, straight, piercing uh, voice and intellect have been one of the main people just, just annihilating these frauds. It's good to have you with us.
2: Well, flattery will get you everywhere. You can get up off your knees now, take off the white gloves, and you no, no longer need to touch your forelock.
1: Well, I don't want my children to be slaves to the UN and a global government tax, and so I got to tell you, sir, uh, we popped champagne last week when it came out those emails uh, were real, uh, and I would imagine you were popping some champagne.
2: Well, we've been following the people named in these emails for years. We thought they were linked, and of course, these emails establish exactly how they were linked. And it's very, very interesting because we had suspected there were just about two dozen people who around the world, mostly this side of the Atlantic and in America, who were putting this global warming scam together and actually driving it rather than doing what the likes of Al Gore and the politicians do, just drifting along with it because they don't know any better. These are the people who have known all along that there isn't a problem. And they've been bending the data and admitting to each other they've been bending the data for the sake of concealing the fact that their data are no good.
1: Absolutely. And, and th- I mean, this really proves a conspiracy here, doesn't it? You have called for the prosecution of the climate criminals. You were the first. Now many other representatives from Australia to the United States are calling for criminal investigations.
2: There's going to have to be a criminal investigation by the information commissioner, whose job is to make sure that publicly available information is available to the public, and that officials like these creeps in the Climate Research Center and their colleagues all over the United States as well uh, were prevented from hiding, destroying, tampering with, shuffling away the data which we paid for, and it therefore belongs to us. And they used a series of excuses. They said, well, there's a Data Protection Act. They said belong to other countries' weather bureaus. Hey, this is weather data. It's not a state secret. They were trying to say that uh, they weren't... They were emailing each other. They were saying, we are not going to give this data to anybody. They were even saying they wouldn't write any learned papers for journals which required, as part of the peer review process, that all the data and all the computer code and all the intermediate calculations should be shown and archived so that other scientists could check it. They were determined that other scientists shouldn't be allowed to check their work because they knew that they were simply making things up. These people are financial fraudsters. They took at least $20 million that we can trace in recent years in so-called grants for so-called scientific research, and they did it on the basis of a financial and scientific should not only be locked up for concealing and destroying data that have been requested under the Freedom of Information Act by other scientists, they should also be locked up for financial fraud and international racketeering. Well
1: said, uh, sir. We're going to come right back after this quick break with a long segment. And I would like to blow by blow get your detailed knowledge of this, uh, some of the history, who these people are, what their bigger goals are, and then specifically right through Climate Gate, all the different sectors of fraud that they have engaged in, like covering up the FOIA request, persecuting scientists, colluding to persecute people, which is racketeering, uh, which is extortion, uh, fraud, grant fraud, and now their response saying, so what? He's the T-Rex of political talk. Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. Well, for the rest of the hour, Lord Christopher Montan third Viscount of Moncton and Brinchley worked at the highest levels of the U.K. government at 10 Downing Street with one of the chief advisors to then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. You can find out more about his uh, bio by visiting his website. We'll give that out again repeatedly before he leaves us. Um, but some stations just joined us recapping. Lord Moncton, tell us about yourself. You've been talking about this for more than a decade uh, and now what ClimateGate means, the different sectors of fraud and how uh, you believe, from your perspective, uh, this should be prosecuted.
2: For those who haven't uh, come across ClimateGate, this was the release of uh, a large number of emails between about two dozen malevolent, crooked scientists right at the top of the climatological tree. These are the people who, between them, have conspired to invent and then maintain the scare of global warming. And the emails came from the University of East Anglia's Climatic Research Centre, which specializes in calculating the global temperature record for the whole world over the last 150 years since we first began having what one might call global um, instrumental coverage with thermometers all over the world. And it's quite a complex process because Very few of the temperature stations remain in the same place for any length of time. They come in and out. Some work, some stop working, some don't report properly, some don't report at all. Whole chunks of Russia disappeared in 1990 when the uh, Berlin Wall came down. So it's very difficult, actually, to make sense of all this data. But unfortunately, what they were doing at the Climate Research Centre, with active assistance from many other climate scientists around the world, was they were simply making up, the 20th century record of temperatures. So we don't even know how much warmer it has got over the 20th century. We know, broadly speaking, it's got warmer because it's been getting warmer for 300 years. Nothing to do with us. But we didn't know how much. And the whole idea of having this very elaborate international network of temperature stations with people going and looking in little boxes and making a note of the temperature every day and then phoning their local weather bureau and that then being passed on to just two or three places around the world of which East Anglia was one where they compile these records. This was an enormously elaborate piece of work. And then when it got to East Anglia and the other and the two American universities where this was processed, what they did then, as we now know, because we've seen their computer code and we've seen their data... They didn't store the data properly, they didn't keep it in an organized form, they didn't know by the end of it what their own computer programs were doing, but they were processing all of the data several times over, and it had become a complete mess. And essentially, they were simply making up the temperature increases of the last 20 years. It is simply a fiction. It's science fiction.
1: Well, expanding on that, and of course you obviously have read the emails, they talk about Temperatures are dropping. How do we fix it? How do we spin it? Uh, how do we hide the decline? Uh, and then, of course, there's the whole area of how they're talking about keeping people out of journals, persecuting journals, blocking FOIA requests, working with government officials to block this information from the public. I mean, this is racketeering.
2: It is racketeering. I think I think it does. It is nicely covered by your RICO statute. Funny enough, we have just put a new act on the on the statute book a few years ago called the Fraud Act, and this is fraud on our side of the Atlantic and racketeering, as you would call it, on yours. These are people who deserve to go to prison for a very long time, and I'll tell you why I'm so angry about it, because this is a point that's nearly always forgotten in all the commentaries about climate change that global warming isn't killing anyone, and it isn't going to kill anyone. What is killing people and killing them by the million of starvation now is the effect of the global warming scare. Because many nations, including the United States, have taken up to a third of their agricultural land out from growing food for people who needed it to growing biofuels for clunkers that didn't. And that has meant in the last year or two a doubling, and I mean a doubling, of world food prices. And the World Bank says that that nearly all of that doubling of world food prices is directly attributable to the biofuel scam, which in turn is directly caused by the global warming scare and government saying, well, even if it isn't true, we've got to take precautions. But you have to remember, you also have to take precautions to check that the precautions you're taking are not killing people by the million, which is what this policy of biofuels is actually doing. And by the way... All of this scare comes out from these idiots and these crooks and these criminals. I, I, I'm very sorry I'm not kind of keeping my normal calm self here. No, please. are so incandescent with fury that these people whom we as British taxpayers and you as American taxpayers have been paying to do this work and we have been trusting them to do it right. They have simply not only been making it up, but as you rightly say, They have been tampering with the peer review process, trying to interfere with reviewers to persuade them to pass or not to pass papers they didn't like. They've been trying to bully journal editors whom they don't like into resigning and getting the boards of the papers to appoint uh, the the learned journals to appoint somebody else more uh, agreeable to them. They've been interfering with the process of the U.S.
0: Okay, that was basically the clip. That Alex Jones had up on his website. There, you can listen to the whole interview. I give you the link. Uh, I don't know how many parts, but it's probably several. If you want to hear more about that, you can go up to his website up on YouTube, and uh, just can in Alex Jones, and you'll find the interview, the full interview there. He brought up an interesting point too that I haven't brought up before. What when he said that they're growing these biofuels? What they're doing, I don't know if you ever know, if you go to the gas station now, a lot of times it'll say it c- contains 10%, anywhere from 2 to 10% ethanol. Ethanol is derived from corn, essentially, primarily. And what they're doing is they're taking whole pieces of farmland that were once used to grow food for human consumption, and they're using that to grow corn or these crops that produce biofuels so that, that we can have more gas and the ironic thing about it is, is we don't need to have any gasoline engines whatsoever. We've got enough in the in the knowledge of solar, water, steam. Uh, my word, free energy, Tesla, whatever you want to call it. There's been numerous inventions over the year that would, at bare minimum, drastically reduce the amount of fuel. ...that a car would consume. But they don't want that. Why? Because the petrol... In, uh, conglom- uh, ...mega conglomerations... ...and, and uh, companies... ...are intertwined with the automobile industry... ...and... ...they have no financial interest... ...in ever... ...developing something where we're taking off... Uh, ...gasoline and diesel... ...and these types of things. They would have no financial interest whatsoever. It's a gigantic threat to their industry... So you've got that dynamic taking as well, too, and it's an, an interesting, a, a excuse for them to take out these fields and grow crops on them that are exclusively being used for gasoline. When there's, according to Lindsay Williams and, and other sources, there is tons and tons, even if you were going to just use the gas, the Prudhomme Bay, the, um, the gas fields up in Alaska that they've actually tapped, or they've actually capped, and, and don't want anything to do with. You want to know more about that? See uh, Lindsey Williams on the uh, uh, on the artificial gas crisis. We've got more America. We've got more oil in those oil fields up in Alaska than most likely they do in all the Middle East. But yet we don't use any of it. Why? Because then we can create this crisis this false crisis and order bring order out of chaos it's a, it's a method of control and this is how the world op- functions and operates pure total maniacal corruption and satanic behavior and uh, unfortunately that's the, the, the world that we live in now the next thing is a just it's a instrument of repudiation on the Copenhagen treaty you can sign Um, you know, this is just something you can kind of do proactive as well. I give you the links to go to to sign this. And so that's something you can do as well. Now, last thing, I'm just going to give you some verses on exposing darkness, delusions, reproving apostates, contending for the faith, warning and watchman Bible verses. Got an email from a guy this week who fancies himself a prophet and uh, says he's speaking on God's behalf. And uh, I believe he's also referred to himself as Elijah in the flesh. Now I can't tell you how many people have emailed me saying, I am Elijah. Like one of the most likely one of the two witnesses of Revelation. Yeah, same same ones. Um, anyway, saying that because I'm teaching people not to resist evil, that I need to be thrust down to the pit of hell. That's how he ended the email. May you be thrust down to the pit. So let's look at that portion of scripture real quick. I just want to um, kind of touch on this, just so, you know, I know I've done this in the past, but I, I think it's important every once in a while to re-touch upon this uh, issue. Let's see here. Okay, uh, Matthew 5, uh, let's see here, Matthew 5 verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if any man will sue thee at thy law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. In other words, go two. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I send you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you, and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father in heaven, for the for he that maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. If you love them which love you, what, have, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only... What do you more than others do you not even do as the publicans? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, I'm not teaching against this portion of Scripture, okay? but I think that we need to have a biblical balance. If we just isolate this one portion of Scripture, let's say we only had one page of the Bible. okay? Somebody gave it to you, and this is all you had. I can understand how you could come to the conclusion that we're just not even supposed to do anything against evil or resist it or try to expose it or do anything. Okay? But the Bible says in um 2 Timothy 2.15, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so we're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth. The Bible's a big book. Okay? The only place in the New Testament where it says this that you resist not evil, is right here in Matthew. I'm not saying that takes away from the validity, but I'm saying we need to look at it in light of the totality of the other book. But let's look specifically what this means. Resist not evil. Okay, and Then the, then that resisting of evil is defined. Whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other. If any man will slew thee at the law, take away the coat, let him have the cloak also. If somebody compels you to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee. Give to him that that would want to borrow from you. Love your neighbor as, um, you should love your neighbor and hate, Um, you're supposed to love your neighbor, uh, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that, okay, so we've got the definition. Now, if we were supposed to sit back and do nothing regarding all of this, there's a whole lot of other Bible verses that we would end up having a real big problem with. In fact, we would have a lot of problem with Jesus Christ himself. You know why? What can we say then about when we look at Jesus Christ going into the temple and overchanging the money table and whipping them with a whip? Was he not resisting evil at that point? This guy made this blanket statement like, because I am teaching people to resist evil, any evil, that I am of Satan. And we have Jesus Christ as a biblical example of resisting evil. Okay? What about when Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, ye serpents and vipers, ye whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones... Couldn't really speak any more of an evil thing about a group of individuals. Wasn't he resisting evil then? Wasn't Stephen resisting evil when he went before the scribes and the Pharisees and, and the, the religious Jews and he indicted them and gave them a, essentially the whole rundown of all of their idolatry and all of them rejecting the Word of God and, and the Prince of Peace? Wasn't he doing that then? Wasn't he resisting evil? The bottom line is, is we have to biblically define what we're talking about here, and we have been biblically defined. In this portion of scripture in Matthew, this is a one-on-one thing. And I'm telling you, there have been times in my life where I had been confronted with, um, evil, or evil people, and there's, or an evil thing that happened to me. And many times, I have done these very, very things that the Bible says. And I'm not saying I'm using me as an example. I'm saying that from a biblical standpoint, there's a time when this, the application of these scriptures applies. And it seems to be a one-on-one dealing with evil when you're one-on-one. Okay, um, I have been in situations where I've been cussed at, screamed at, all manner of foul language was used against me. And I had an overwhelming feeling in that regard. Is to Sometimes I just have this overwhelming sense, don't defend yourself. Or I've been attacked by other people um, from this or that. And many times I just get, don't defend yourself. Just let them say whatever they're going to say. Let God fight your battles. In other words, I have found that the, the degree to which I do not defend myself in certain situations is the degree to which God goes before me and defends me. Okay. Blessed are ye when all men shall persecute and revile you and speak all manner of evil for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. Okay, so this tends to be, looking at this portion of scripture, a one-on-one thing dealing with individuals. Okay? This has nothing to do with exposing evil. And there are certain times when you're dealing, like I gave these examples of Jesus Christ himself, where you, you better be sure you are resisting evil, and you are coming against it. But this is part of rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's look at some Bible verses Let's, that talk about this. Okay? and I, I am convinced there are people that supposedly become Christians I've dealt with too many. This is why I'm saying this. They supposedly become Christians. They get a little bit of knowledge. And they start thinking, you know what? God's showing me something. He's showed no one else on the planet ever. In fact, I hear God's voice in my head. You better really be careful. If you think you're hearing God's voice in your head, and it's contradicting the word of God, because you could be doing Satan's bidding, there's that one portion in Matthew, in Matthew 24, where it says, Have we not prophesied in your name and done all manner of miracle and done all these mighty works? And Jesus says to them, Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. Many of these people that say they're a prophet of God and think they're hearing from God are actually doing Satan's bidding. So you've got to be real careful about that because we have the completed work of, uh, word of God here. And if what you think you're hearing from God contradicts the word of God, the King James Bible, then you're not hearing from God, you're hearing from Satan. And, and a lot of these people, they get a little bit of knowledge, and it's like they get their own little cult belief system that's unbiblical, and they tend to key in on one little portion of scripture to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible, and they have their own little belief system, their own little cult belief system. They're deceived by their heart. And they start thinking, I'm better than everyone else. Because I adhere to this scripture, even though it's to the, it's to the exclusion of the, of the rest of the Bible, even though they're not rightly dividing the word of truth, even though they're not being like Bereans who search the word of God daily to see if these things in the scriptures were so, even though they're not doing any of that, they think that they're better. And particularly if they get a voice in their head, oh boy, you better watch out then. Because now I'm hearing directly from God. Well... Oh. I'll tell you, I've been through this before, particularly in the Pentecostal movement, because I can't tell you how many times people would come up to me and say, oh, Brother Johnson, i got a word from God for you. You need to do this, you need to do that, or you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I, every time I would act on it, it was always false. It, was always, it always turned out to be false. It's, what, it's really the main thing that got me out of the movement. I thank God it happened. I really do. I thank God all that happened. Because finally I came to think, you know what, if this is true, if this is valid... If it's the word of God, and according to Deuteronomy 28, the test of a prophet is um, that if the thing... Well, here, I'll just read it for you. I'm sorry, it's Deuteronomy 18. Test of a prophet. But, a, but the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet shall have spoken it presumptuously, and thou shalt not be afraid of him. Now, here's the other thing that disqualifies a prophet, and I haven't emphasized this enough in the past. Here's another test of the prophets. Deuteronomy 13. There arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass. Now, this is when the sign or wonder comes to pass. Where if he spake of thee, saying, let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Okay, so let's say the sign or the wonder or the miracle comes to pass. Now, this is going to be like somebody like Maitreya, or all these Catholic stinking miracles, or the Hindu ones. Sign or wonder, let's say it comes to pass. But! That that sign or wonder basically points us and says, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them, then shall not then shalt shalt not thou shalt not hearken unto the words of the prophet, or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death in the old testament it was a death sentence because thou hast spoken because he has spoken to turn you away from the lord your god okay so that's you know not something you want to be messing around with very much let's look at some bible verses that that talk about this new from a new testament perspective of exposing darkness reproving apostates contending for the faith and I'm just going to give you... I'm going to, I'm going to give you some... i got a whole document here that gives you verse after verse after verse after verse. Um, Matthew 24, 24, There shall arise many false Christs. This is what Jesus Christ warned. False prophets shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. Also says that in Mark 13, two. First Chronicles 12, 32 says, And the children of Ishakar... Which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. This is something that's good to be an understander of the times. Acts twenty thirty one says, Therefore, watch. We're supposed to watch. But according to, like some people, no, 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 we don't watch because that would fall under that would fall under um, resisting evil. So we're not supposed to walk. No, you're you're being. This is like, it, it's 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 pathetic, is what it is. Okay, but some people get these one these pet verses in their head, and it and it makes them feel so special and so much better because they have some little pet doctrine at the exclusion of the rest of the Bible, and they want to focus in on that. And what it does is it gives them an, an excuse to attack other people, because they have this little pet niche doctrine in their head that's not even biblical, or it's not even rightly divided. Okay, so let's go further. Uh, Therefore, Acts 20.31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. That is what this whole ministry that you're hearing is about. Warning you, night and day. I mean, the, the, and I can say that now because I know the the teachings are pretty much being played in one way, shape, or form um, 24 7 now. They're all over YouTube. I did a keyword search the other day for some subject, and every single video that was next to the subject up on YouTube were all my, all my audios. I'm not bragging. I praise the Lord. I am nothing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. If I got what I deserve, I get death and hell. I admit that. I'll be the first one to admit it. In fact, if it were possible, I would take God's side against me. And when Paul says, "Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death," I can really relate to that one. Doesn't give us an excuse to sin, but you know, (laughs) the Lord's blessed this ministry. Let's go further. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, It says, "Watch ye, watch. Don't just be like the the the, the most of the church, the five hundred one c three church. They're not watching. They're part of the problem. Watch. Why aren't they Why aren't they warning their Why aren't they exposing their congregations to a lot of like what we just talked about today? For instance, all those children dying in um, North Korea and the Hindu sacrifice and in in how they're going to use the." The flu shots to decimate the planet, and how all these women are miscarrying their babies—things like that—are are, we should know about to pray about this this um, Copenhagen treaty and climate gate, and how all of this evil is being exposed. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. First Thessalonians five six. Let us. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. I mean, these are all pretty much New Testament verses, too. 2 Timothy 4, 5. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist make full proof of thy ministry. Um, One of the reasons we want to watch. Luke 21, 8. And Jesus said, and he said, Jesus Take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Now how do we, how do we take heed and be not deceived unless we're watching? You know, how, how is that possible? Well, you can't resist evil because you can't do that. Well, that seems to contradict a lot of other things. You have to look at the proper application of the verse in Scripture. And that portion of Scripture is dealing with one-on-one contact, particularly with unsaved individuals. It's very obvious if you read it. Okay? Um, here's another one that always gets messed up. Oh, judge not lest ye be judged. Okay, let's look at that verse. Let's look at the context of the verse. The context of the verse is hypocritical judgment. Well Why would you say that? Because it says if your brother has a beam in his own eye and you have a speck, you, uh, or if you have a beam in your own eye and your brother has a speck, don't you dare judge him because you don't have any right. you got a beam in your own eye. Get out the beam in your own eye first so you can see the speck in your brother's. That's hypocritical judgment. Jesus Christ also goes on to say that we're supposed to judge righteous judgment and that he who is spiritual judgeth all things. And the Bible also says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So judging ourselves is something we should do. Okay, because that kind of keeps us honest. You know, if we're judging ourselves, then we're familiar with um, the sin pattern where as opposed to being in denial about our own sins, is not judging ourselves. Okay, so there's two types of judgment, hypocritical and righteous. We have to judge. I want to never, I mean, even if you get in your car. Well, I think I'm just going to go through that red light. I'm not going to judge it. I don't want to judge it. I'm just going to plow right through there. And You plow right through and you get, or, you know, that red hot burner. I'm not going to judge it. It It's red hot and it'll probably burn me, but I'm going to put my hand on it anyway. Aren't you judging constantly? Let's go further. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Ephesians five eleven through sixteen and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. What if you don't know it's an unfruitful work of darkness and you're having a fellowship with? A lot of stuff that's going on in the church nowadays would fall under the heading of an unfruitful work of darkness. We're not supposed to have fellowship with that. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The word reprove in the 1828 Noah Webster dictionary, which defines the words more accurately at the time they were written, the word reprove means to blame, to convince a fault, or to make it manifest, to excite a sense of guilt. And it goes on to say, For it is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. In other words, we don't need to get into the gory details of all their sin done in secret. But at the same time, in the same verse, we're commanded in the previous and the following verses of the same portion of scripture to reprove and to manifest their wicked actions. Um, Then it goes on to say, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Aren't we called to be salt and light as a Christian? Light exposes darkness. What does the word manifest mean in the 1828 Noah Webster's? It means plain, open, clearly visible to the eye, or obvious to the understanding. Isn't that what we just did today? When the whole study... I'm not saying that I'm like the biblical standard by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, isn't that what we did? We've made things clearly visible and manifest. If nothing else, to know what evil to pray against. nothing else for that... And there's more reasons than that, obviously. I mean, preparing, the prudent man foreseeeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished? Let's go further. For whatever doth make manifest is light. Light always overcomes darkness. There's not enough darkness in the universe to extinguish one candle. If you think about it, there's not enough. Therefore he has said, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. What does that word mean in the New York Webster 1828? Cautiously, with watchfulness in every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. I'm trying to equip you through this ministry in order to do that. Because I don't really know how much longer they're going to let me do this in, in, I mean, who knows, it could be a year or two, I don't know, but it could be another week. I don't know. It's it's. I'm trying to get in as much as I can before that happens. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is in control here. Uh, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. So in other words, if you're not walking circumspectly, meaning um, cautiously, watchfulness, attention to guard against detail, against surprise or danger, then you're walking as a fool because it says not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, Because the days are evil. And that was written back then. It's way more evil now. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, if we're ignorant of Satan's devices, like 99% of the church, do you think it's possible he can get an advantage of you? I think so. Okay, and listen, I've been in that boat and I, I still learn stuff every week. Or every day, pretty much. Psalm ninety four sixteen and twenty, who will rise up for me against the evildoers, or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? Everything that we talked about today, from Climate Gate to the Copenhagen Treaty to all of this H1N1 garbage where they could potentially impose mandatory flu vaccinations, that's framing mischief by a law. And if they tell you to do something that contradicts the Bible, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. Matthew seven fifteen. beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. We're supposed to beware of false prophets. Whenever you hear anybody saying, I'm hearing something directly from God and quoting God, well, it better line up with the Word of God. And I'm talking the rightly divided Word of God, not some pet interpretation. Let's see, let's go further here. Uh, Titus 1, 15b, and verse 16. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. So, and again, this is why I do a lot of what I do, because this is so prevalent today. 2 Corinthians 11, 13-15 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness. At least they appear as ministers of righteousness. Rick Warren was just on Meet the Press this morning. I just happened to have it on as I was getting ready. Oh man, that guy's good at what he does. I'm going to flat out tell you he's good at what he does. I can see why people have followed this guy hook, line, and sinker with his one world, new world order, global religion, doctrine that he's going to bring. And there's some things, if you listen to him, you're going to be in agreement with as a Christian. Like, um, he was basically um, talking about, some, of, somewhat, he was talking about the abortion issue and the slaughtering of um, the, the whole race of human beings in America the 46 million humans that aren't here because of the abortion. I agree with them about that. Not to say everything they're going to say, you're going to disagree with. They're subtle. What the serpent did when he came to Eve in the Garden of Eden is he came to her subtly, and he questioned the Word of God, but he didn't, like, say something radically, totally, unbelievably opposed to the Word of God. He just said, yea, if God said. I mean, did he really say that, you know? He, the reason he said that is because he knows in the days you eat the tree of the good or evil, um, knowledge of, of good or evil, that you'll be as gods. So he added to the word of God. And it wasn't even right what he, what he added to. So these guy, guys, and then he, but at the same breath, Rick Warren was sitting there talking about um, the whole global, very much how the government, how that's one phase of what has to happen. That global government and and national governments need to yoke up with, like, things that, that that he's doing with his ministry, because we can reach more people that way. No, we're not supposed to reach people by glo- up, yoking up with satanic governments that are absolutely diametrically opposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not something you ever see any biblical precedent for in the Bible, ever, particularly in the New Testament. We're not supposed to become 501c3 corporations yoked up with the government, created by the government, which ultimately have to answer to the government, which created them. Anything that has two heads is a monster. You can't have Christ as your head and the government as your head. You have to choose. Anyway, he's slick. He's slick. I've done a couple teachings on him, and um, you can key in just the word Rick in the search box on my homepage. And and I uh, mean, you know, the guy's good at what he does. And he, the, you know the way he started out, it was great because he started out where he was talking about um, how he hasn't, I don't know if any of this is true, and it may be, I don't know, but how he supposedly tithes 90% of what, I don't know if it was what, comes into the ministry or what he gets personally, or whatever, supposedly he hasn't taken a profit from Saddleback Church for like all these years, he gave all this money back, he does it. So he comes out, and that's how he establishes that he's a great guy. He's just one of us. He drives a pickup truck that's 10 years old. He wears jeans and regular shirts. He's got a watch from Walmart. So now everybody's identifying with him. Wow, this guy's great. He's got millions and millions of dollars, best-selling book, purpose-driven life, and all this other stuff. And he's like one of us. Man, I'm telling you, devil's good at what he does. All you got to do is look at him and, and, and look what's beyond the surface. See all of the heresies and reprobate things that he would bring to the table. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. Um, Let's see here. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Isn't this resisting evil? I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Man, if that's the case, I... You know, the internet is such a blessing and such a curse because there is so many people up there that have their own little pet things going on Particularly under Christianity, they, they're not enduring sound doctrine. They're heaping in themselves teachers having itching ears. And what ends up happening? What's the byproduct? They turn away their ears from truth and they're turning the fables. We're not to be carried about, around with strange and diverse doctrines. We're not to be of many teachers. We're not supposed to have, oh God, I gotta I gotta go and, and go to TVN and get on this teacher and listen to Joyce Meyer and listen to Benny Hinn and listen to that's not biblical. It's it's not, but in today's day and age, it's very easy to do because you can just turn on, you know, TBN and and have all that. Uh, Let's see here, going further, um, Ezekiel thirty three six. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person among him, among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But the blood But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Well, for me, that's a pretty high motivation. Beloved, Jude 3 and 4. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. For there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They were before of old. They were, I hate to say this, they were vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction, as the Bible says in Hebrews. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, I'm telling you right now, the Bi- and I'm not getting into a no Calvinism, non-Calvinism debate, but the Bible says they were vessels of wrath fitted, meaning they were prepared for God's destruction. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb, that they, be, they speak lies as soon as they be born. Listen, I don't understand all that. That's what the Bible does say. It goes on to say, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before old of ordained to this condemnation. They were ordained for it. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord, Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. Thee. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Man, I think we're, we might be very close to that. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, speaketh expressly that in the latter times, which is where we're at now, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Again, seducing spirits come in so much of the time to so many of these people that fancy themselves Christians, and they buy into these doctrines of devils. They speak lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is what we should be on guard against. So what's the remedy for a lot of this? The remedy for what we're talking about here is fear of God and humility before God. Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Okay, The Bible says in Isaiah 66, To this man will I look to, of him is that of a contrite heart, a humble and contrite heart, and trembleth at my word. Fear of God, and humility before God. Coming before God as a little child, like Solomon did, when he said to God, he says, um, I come before thee as a little child, I know not whether to come in or go out, literally like a little child. That's the best way, I believe, to come before God. Because he, it's about the only thing that I've seen in the Bible that God will honor from a human is, is is humility before him, or at least he honors it the most high, okay? There's not a lot you can do to impress God. In other words, he's God. Um, but humility, I do believe. I mean, do you ever see like uh, a Christian or, or um, they, they preach about something or somebody on TV and they're, or let's say, a Christian, and they do something and it's really humble? Doesn't that warm your heart? I love that. I mean, I just, I'm so attracted to humility. Even if it's to be honest, even if it's not a Christian, it's humility is such a wonderful attribute, you know, to have, and it's just something you don't see a lot, very much, it, it, to be, for people to be humble. Um, the Bible says, "Let let let them that are greatest among you let them be your servant." Well, being a servant implies you're humbling yourself, you're condescending yourself before your fellow man, and you're being a servant. Isn't that a humbling process? And, and unless you come before the before Jesus as a little child, you'll not see the kingdom of God. Well, if you're as a little child, you're as a humble. You're humble coming before him. So I'm, I'm just saying these are some things that, that I think are remedies for a lot of this end-time apostasy and deception that we're seeing. Um, let's go on further. Uh, these are the, that, There's a whole bunch of verses on judgment as well. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay, we're supposed to do this. It's not done very much, but we're supposed to. 2 Timothy four fourteen and 15. Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith, he named him by name, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. Well, wasn't that withstanding evil? Amy, he pointed the guy out by name. Second Timothy, Timothy, Second Timothy four ten. For Demas, Paul again hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Um, Titus one nine through fourteen, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine, that's how we have to do this, to both exhort and to convince the gainsayers, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Now, evidently, we're just not supposed to resist the unruly vain talkers and receivers, right? We're we're just supposed to lay down and we can't resist evil, right? Now, again, look at the context of Matthew 5, okay? It's Not this context, because this says the exact opposite. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Okay, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Who did Jesus have the most problem with? The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, right? Yeah. Okay. Why? Because of their doctrine, which was the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is bad doctrine. Leaven is always a type of sin in the Bible, and is usually associated with bad doctrine. Okay, so it says... Whose mouths must be stopped. How can we stop their mouths? And I don't think literally we go out and bash them across the head. But how do we resist evil by not doing that? I mean, how, how do we accomplish this? Whose mouths must be stopped? Who subvert whole houses? Why? Because they're trying to take people to hell with their false doctrine. We're supposed to resist that. I mean, there's nothing more important than that. Where we end up, heaven or hell. Teaching things they ought not. Why? For filthy lucre's sake. For the love of money. Why? Because they're a hireling. And a hireling has no love for the sheep, has no true love for the sheep. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. He loves them enough to tell them the truth. Uh, one of them, even a prophet of their own, said, now this is of the, the Jews, said, the Cretans are always liars. Now, they're pointing this out. This is a whole race of people. The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. And then, what does Paul say? This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be found sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. The Bible says a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. Uh, Mark 16. 11. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off your dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Galatians 1, 6-10. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel. This is the greatest threat, another gospel. Which is not another, but there are some that trouble you, that would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. They were basically saying, let him be cursed. Isn't that resisting evil? I All I call myself is a born-again Bible-believing Christian that believes that the King James Bible is the Word of God. That's all I call myself. I'm not any of any particular denomination, nothing like that. You know, I, I heard this statistic the other day. There's actually about 34,000 branches of what is termed modern day christianity 34,000 different denominations worldwide which one's the right one i don't really that's to me that's irrevel, irrelevant because all I claim to be is a born again bible believing christian that's it okay we just need to go by the word of god that, that you know when we get into all this denominational stuff All we have is a lot of infighting and then a lot of cult pet doctrines that end up getting started. I'm not saying there's not truth. I'm not saying there's certain churches you can't get saved in. I would never say that. But I'm saying most of these churches of the 34,000 that I just listed are not places where you're going to get saved. I would venture to say that for sure. And why would God do that? God is not the author of confusion. Why would he have 34... And then you've got all these other... Isms in the world—Hinduism and Buddhism and Zoroastrianism, or whatever you're, you're going to get into—satanic. It's all of the devil. I mean, all of this various and sundry, thousands and thousands of different religious religions out there. And then he goes on to say, as we have said before, so say now again: If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Jeremiah 48.10 says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Man, how many preachers would that apply to? Jeremiah 7.28 But thou shalt say to them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off, from their mouth that's what's coming to America and um, you know that that's that's what's happening here so there's more verses that I can get into got, we talk more about the strong delusion and um, you know this type of stuff the Bible says in Psalm 97 10 ye that love the Lord hate evil how do you hate evil and not resist it that, that's kind of a question if somebody would say go to Matthew 5 oh, you're resisting evil you're bad. Well, number one, you're taking out context and how do you hate evil unless you resist it? The Bible says the risk, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil and not resist evil? You know? I mean, it's just common sense. All I'm trying to point out is there's some common sense things in here that we need to do to rightly divide the word of truth, to be like the Bereans, you know, to not be destroyed for lack of knowledge, to not just trust our own heart But to confirm it with the word of God, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So I'm going to go ahead and stop there and I'll close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and time you've given us. We praise you, we thank you for your word, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, for Lord God, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, our shelter. For those that don't have this, Lord God, in the body of Christ, I do pray in the name of Jesus Christ that. You would richly provide for all their needs in every way, shape, or form, that you would bless them, and use them mightily, the body of Christ, my listeners, for your glory, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape or form, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, strengthen our redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us in the name of Jesus Christ. I do pray that we would be christ like in every way, shape, and form, that we would rightly divide the word of truth and apply it properly in our own lives every day, all the days of our life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.